If you have your Bible today, I'd like you to open me to the Gospel of Luke. We will be in Luke chapter 20 again, and we will begin in verse 41 today. Luke chapter 20 and verse 41. We're going to look at a very short passage of Scripture, and if you've been following along in our study, you'll know that we are in the last couple of days of Jesus' life before the crucifixion. In opposition to him, it's really been amping up. People have been attacking him from every side. We've had the scribes and the Pharisees have come against him. We've had uh, Sadducees, and I, I meant to mention this last week, but this is just kind of a way to remember the, the Sadducees and who they are. They, you remember they didn't believe in the resurrection, and that's why they were sad, you see. They, they, they were sad, you see, because they, they didn't believe the resurrection, had no hope. And so anyway, they came against Jesus. They were trying to always uh, catch him in some kind of a, some kind of a dilemma some kind of a, a trap of, of, of one sort or another. And so Jesus always evades these, these uh, attempts that they make, and, and he gets out of them. He, he teaches the way of God and truth. And, and, and in today's text, there's kind of a shift. Up to this point, everybody's been attacking him. He's been on the defensive, but now, in our text today, he is going to go on the offensive. Now, as one commentator put it, before he had shut them down, but now he's going to shut them up. Matthew chapter 22 records this encounter as well, and he records that, uh, that after this event that we're going to read about, nobody dared ask him another question. And indeed, as, as you read through the gospel accounts, after this, from, from this point on until his trial, nobody asks him anything. They don't challenge him in any way um, because he is. this is kind of the... The, the final shot, I guess you'd say. Now, I've titled my sermon, The Son of David, and I was going to deal with three little snippets that, that were all kind of strung together. Um, and they were all, they're all related, but they all had different, uh, different emphases. But as I was working my way through this, I, I realized quickly that, um, that I wasn't going to be able to do them all in one day. So today we're just going to work through the first part, and that is that Jesus is the Son of David. So if, if you're able to, and uh, you found Luke chapter 20, uh, please stand with me in honor of God's word. We'll pick up in verse 41. <clears throat> then he, Jesus, said to them, now remember the scribes have just gotten through uh, congratulating him on a good answer. Remember he had answered the Sadducees. They said, well done, you, you've answered this, you've spoken well. And so Jesus responds to them. And uh, verse 41, then he said to them, how is it that they say the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore David calls him Lord, and how is he his son? Thank you. You may be seated. As I said, this is a very short text. Um, does have a lot to tell us, though. And the first thing I want you to see is this idea of sonship. Now look back at verse 41. And again, he goes on the offensive because uh, the, the religious leaders, they've all been coming after him and attacking him. And remember, he's in, he's in the temple complex. Crowds of people are surrounding him. They're hanging on every word that he's saying. He's, he's teaching the people. Uh, he's, he's observing his, his interactions with these religious leaders. And, and I, I mention all this because it says in verse 41 that he says to them, and because it's not just the scribes he's talking to. Matthew's gospel records that the Pharisees are also still there. Remember, they're the ones who had sent the spies to, to try and trap Jesus about the, you know, the uh, paying taxes to Caesar. And so they're still there, and they're there with the scribes. And so Jesus asked them a question. Luke doesn't record his, his question that he asked. But in Matthew 22, it records that Jesus posed this question. Whose son is the Christ? Whose son is the Christ? Now, that seems kind of weird to us, maybe, to hear the phrase, the Christ. 
Because we tend to think of Christ as part of Jesus' name, but, but it's not part of his name. Christ is not Jesus' last name, it's a title. And it means anointed one. It's, it's the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word that means Messiah. So when Jesus is asking whose son the Messiah is, he's not saying who's the Messiah's dad. He, he's asking whose ancestor the Messiah is. Now, it still seems kind of weird, doesn't it? I mean, what's, what's the point of Jesus turning and asking this question? In what way is he going on the offensive? What's the purpose of all this? Well, he's challenging them in order to expand their thinking and to see the Messiah as more than just a man. You remember, they had a small picture of the Messiah. They thought the Messiah was going to be this political leader that come in, overthrow the Romans, and, and set up this, this wonderful kingdom, and so on and so forth. They didn't see the Messiah as being a, a suffering servant. And so he's, he's pushing them to see the Messiah as more than just a human, a human person, a human being, more than just a descendant of David, but also the, the Son of God. Now, to understand this question, we need to orient our minds to their way of thinking. And I don't know that I can, I, hopefully I can phrase things in a way that kind of conveys the way that they, the way that they thought. In their way of thinking, and, and this may be kind of a, a rough way of saying it, but in their way of thinking, the father or, uh, or maybe the grandfather was greater than the offspring. So the father was greater than the son. So, so, so if, if one were to refer to another with the title of respect, usually the younger would use the title of respect to the older. And we, I mean, e- even in this country, we still kind of hold on to that, don't we? used to back in my day but even before my day um, it was more common if if an older person was speaking to a, a child that that child would refer re, would respond with sir or ma'am uh, somewhere in there it was it was a title of respect and so imagine if you would an older person speaking to a child let's say a grandfather speaking to a grandson it would be more natural though uncommon for the child to say if if the grandfather said hey, would you open that door for the grandchild to say, yes, sir, and then do it. It would be unnatural, though maybe somewhat common today, for the grandfather, if, if the grandchild said, Grandpa, would you open that door for the grandpa to say to the kid, yes, sir. Now, that's unnatural. I mean, even today, it kind of, I mean, we, we, did, we recognize that, right? So that's not a one-to-one comparison with what's going on here, but I think it does kind of capture the idea. The, the idea is the progenitor is greater than the descendant. So with that in mind, look again at, at what's said. Jesus asked them whose son the Messiah was, and they rightly say David. That, that would have been a no-brainer. Somebody said that's Judaism 101. They know that the Messiah is a descendant of David. He is not his direct father, but he is a son of, he is a, a descendant of David. <clears throat> now we know this because the, the Bible says that, that God had made a covenant with David. And he said, I'm going to establish your throne and you're going to have one of your descendants sit on that throne forever. So for instance, Psalm 89 verses 3 and 4. God said, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your seed forever and build up your throne to all generations. Or Psalm 132, verses 11 and 12. The Lord has sworn to David a truth from which he will not turn back. Of the fruit of your body I will sit upon your throne. If your sons will keep my covenant and my testimony, which I will teach them, their sons also shall sit upon your throne forever. 
This is reiterated in, in Isaiah chapter 9. You remember in, at, at uh, Christmas time, we all the time read Isaiah verse, uh, chapter 9 verses uh, 6 and 7 about how uh, a, a, son should be given to us, a child should be born to us, a son should be given to us, and, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. He should be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, so on and so forth. Verse 7 says, There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. This is speaking of the Messiah. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So they know the right answer. The Messiah is a descendant of David. He is physically going to be from David's line. And humanly speaking, that's 100% correct. But Jesus challenges them because they're not reading their Bibles carefully. And then he quotes Psalm 110, verse 1. Now, if your Bible's like mine, it, it may set it apart. Mine puts an Old Testament quotation in all caps. Maybe yours does something similar, maybe not. But he quotes Psalm 110 and verse 1. This is the most quoted verse from the Old Testament. It's the most quoted verse in the New Testament. Now in this verse, God the Father addresses the Messiah. And look again at what he says, verse 42. For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Now, work, work your way through here. The Lord, who is that? God, God the Father, Yahweh, Jehovah, the I Am. He is the first person in the Trinity. God the Father speaks to the Messiah. And how does David refer to him? The Lord, God, said to my Lord, Adonai. Now, what's that word mean, Lord? It means master. It means sovereign, owner. This is the second person of the Trinity. This is the Messiah. This is Jesus Christ. This is inner that's going to be a big phrase, inter-Trinitarian conversation. This means this is a conversation going on within the Godhead. God the Father speaks to God the Son. The Lord, God, said to my Lord, the Messiah, sit at my right hand. This is a place of, of honor, of, of dignity, of power, of privilege. So the one to whom God is speaking, David says, is my Lord. He is my master. He is my sovereign. But remember, the Messiah, who is his Lord, is his descendant. And so David says, or God, Jesus says, in what way is the Messiah David's son if he's his Lord? Do you, hear, do you see the, the tension here? Because both of those things are true. And just as it would be inappropriate for a grandfather to be subservient to the grandson and call him master or lord or sir or whatever it is, it would be inappropriate for mighty King David to be subservient to somebody who is only his physical heir. And so Jesus says, you figure it out. And that's what Jesus is getting at. Jesus the Messiah is more than just a man. He is a descendant of David, but he's more than a descendant of David. In Jesus, we see the God-man. He is truly man, but yet he is truly divine. In his humanity, we see that he is David's son. In, is it, in his deity, we see he is David's Lord. Do, do, you, see, do you see how this is fitting together? And, and Jesus says, these two things are true. You need to figure it out. He, he's challenging them to come to this conclusion on their own. He, he's challenging them to, to recognize his lordship. Now, this is just kind of a side note. But he's also answering a question back in uh, chapter 20. In verse 2, they spoke to him and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And here, here he's answering the question. I'm the Messiah. I am God's son. 
that's kind of beside the point. So he, he says in his, in his humanity, he is David's son. In his deity, he is David's Lord. And he says the text is right there in the, in the Bibles. You have to account for it. And the only accounting for that is that Jesus was more than just a man. He was more than just David's descendant. He is also the son of God. Now David said he is Lord, but what does that mean? Well, the word Lord has the idea of, of sovereign. He is sovereign over creation. The Bible says that by him and through him and for him all things have been made. Things in, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, all things exist by him and for him. He is the master of creation. He upholds all the worlds, all the galaxies. We, we have this uh, James Webb telescope. Has anybody ever seen any pictures from James Webb telescope? I mean, just incredible pictures out there, out in, out in, the, uh, in, in, in space. And I mean, there are billions and billions of galaxies. And each of them have trillions of stars in them. And those stars have planets and moons, and, and there are all these supernova and, and just all this incredible stuff. All that exists because God created it. He is the one who upholds all things. He is, he is master. He is redeemer. Now of his great love for us. And we sang about just a, a little bit ago. Out of his great love for us, Jesus, he, 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 had the, he, had, he shared the glory of the Father in all eternity past. And he laid that glory aside and he stepped out of eternity and he took on the form of a servant, even a, a lowly bondservant, and became obedient to, to death, even death on the cross. And he bore our sins in his body on the tree. And he suffered the righteous wrath of God for your sins and mine. And he bore that on the tree. He, he became a propitiation, the Bible says. He paid the, the, the penalty. He paid the cost that wicked sinners uh, that, that, that would trust in him would have eternal life. The Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And today you can be made right with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. You can have your sins removed. The Bible says in, in Psalm 103, I believe it is, that God will take your sin as far as the east is from the, from the west, and He'll remove it from you. He'll cast it into the sea of, of His forgetfulness, never to be held against you again. And one day every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is what Jesus says. He says, I am David's Lord. And one day you're going to stand before him, either dressed in, in the robes of Christ, Christ's imputed righteousness. You'll stand before him, faultless, the same before the king. Or you'll, you'll stand clothed in robes of, of, of filthy rags, of your own self-righteousness, your own self-effort. And you'll, you'll, you'll hope to get into heaven because of what you've done, but you can't. You can only get into heaven by what he has done. And therefore, we must trust in Him for salvation. Not only, not only is Jesus greater and Lord because of His nature, but also because of His resurrection. In, in Acts chapter 2, at, at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, Peter preached a sermon. You remember, the, 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 the Spirit was given, all these people began to, to come around, uh, the, 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 the disciples, and they were hearing the, the, the people speak about God and what He's done in their own language. And Peter says in, in Acts chapter 2, he quotes Psalm 110 and verse 1, this same passage that, that Jesus quotes. And there he says that Jesus is greater than, than David because of the resurrection. And today Jesus has ascended back into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father. Again, this place of power and privilege and honor. And if you look at verse uh, 43... It says that he'll sit there, he will be there until God makes his enemies a, a footstool for his feet. 
I don't know what ever happened to the footstool. We used to have footstools when I was a kid. But I don't know, but they just don't seem to exist anymore. I guess maybe they're called Ottomans now. But, but you know what a footstool is, right? You remember, do you remember them? You, you, there's some place to prop up your feet. Now, a footstool back then, what they would do, uh, this, this idea of uh, footstool for your feet, your, your, the enemies being footstool for your feet, what they would do is if a king was going against another king in battle, and they defeated that king in battle, they, they would bring in the vanquished king, and they make him kneel down in front, of the, in front of the throne. And the king that had won put his feet up on the neck of his defeated foe. It, it was a symbolic act. And it, it was showing, I have conquered you completely and, and totally and absolutely. And, and this is a picture of the complete victory Jesus won on the cross through the, and through the resurrection. The, the, see, the, the cross was an act of war. And this was a, an act of war, and Jesus was victorious. And Jesus reigns over all. The devil is a defeated foe. And one day, everyone and everything that stands up against and opposes God will be brought into subjection finally and completely, and in a final way, to God. The last enemy, the Bible says, they'll be defeated is sin and death. Now Jesus challenged these people to wrestle with who he is. This is, this is similar to, he asked the, the disciples a question, who do men say that I am? And they said, who do you say that I am? This is, a, this is a similar idea. Jesus was challenging them to wrestle with, who is he? And the same is true today. You have to make a decision. Who is Jesus? He said, he's Lord. He said, he's Savior. He said, he's God incarnate. What do you say? Either he is or he isn't. There's no halfway about it. Which one? Because if you reject what he says, I just want to ask you why. Why do you reject what, he, what Jesus Christ says about himself? It's not because of a lack of evidence. It's not because of overwhelming proofs to the, to the contrary. If you reject him, I'll just put it to you straight, it's because of the condition of your heart. It's because that's what you want to be true. You have, a, you have some skin in the game, so to speak. And I, just want, to, I, I want to make it so plain that you, I cannot be misunderstood. If you reject Christ, there stands, there awaits before you the prospect of separation from the blessed presence of God in heaven, and instead there's eternal torment in hell. I don't know how I can say it any more clearly than that, but the, 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 the good news of the gospel is you don't have to experience that. The good news of the gospel is that if you will trust Christ as your Savior, you'll be safe from that. You'll have your sins forgiven. You will escape hell that you, right, that you rightfully deserve and you'll go to heaven not because you deserve it not because you've earned it not because of some meritorious act on your part but because of the good grace of God and the Bible says that, that today is the day of salvation tomorrow is the devil's day today is the day of salvation so if you've never done so trust Christ today but I just want to ask you is Jesus your Lord that's not just a, that's not just a challenge to, to those who don't know Christ. <clears throat> that's a challenge and a question to those of us who are Christians. Because sometimes we, 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 want, we want the benefits of Christ, but we don't want the responsibilities that go along with that. We want to go to heaven, but we don't want to give control of our life over to Jesus. We, or, or we do, but we want to take it back a little bit. Listen, Jesus is Lord. He is Lord of all of creation. And you need to 
turn over control of all of your life to him. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. I want to give you an opportunity to, to do business with God. And just with heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I encourage you, I challenge you, I call on you to answer the question, is Christ your Lord? David said he is my Lord. Not just because of his nature, not just because he's God incarnate. Because he conquered death and rose from the grave. Christian, is he your God? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, which, um, which is challenging to us as we uh, consider our relationship with you. And God, for that person maybe who's never accepted Christ as their Savior, I pray that you would not let them be comfortable in their sin. I pray that you would draw them to yourself. And that they would make Christ their Lord today. And God, for, for those of us who are believers, I ask that you would, uh, would show us any areas of our life where we are taking back control. Where we are not being obedient to you. Lord, we ask that you move in our midst. In these, in, in all these things, we ask in Jesus' name, Amen.